0: Good morning, brothers and sisters. We extend a warm welcome to all our brothers and sisters who have joined us in church this morning for worship of our triune God. We also extend a special welcome to all the visitors who have joined us in church here this morning and to those who are with us remotely via the live stream. May we be comforted and encouraged by the preaching of the gospel. May God be praised and glorified by our worship. Consistory has the following announcements. Sister Margaret Cooper and Brother Keith Van from the Freeform Church of Rockingham have indicated their intentions to enter into the married state according to the ordinance of God. They desire to begin this holy state in the name of the Lord and complete it to his glory. If no lawful objections are brought forward, the ceremony will take place, the Lord willing, on Saturday the 1st of April at 1 p.m., in the Free Reformed Church of Southern River, with Reverend D. Poppy officiating, Sister Hamin Boone and Brother Adam Sibum have indicated their intentions to enter into the married state according to the ordinance of God. They desire to begin this holy state in the name of the Lord and to complete it to His glory. If no lawful object- objections are brought forward. The ceremony will take place, the Lord willing, on Thursday the 6th of April at 1pm in the Free Reformed Church of Southern River with Reverend D. Poppy officiating. This morning the worship service will be led by Reverend Poppy and before we commence the worship service let us sing together from Psalm 25 verse 2.
1: Please rise, brothers and sisters, and let's worship the Lord. As the people of God, we confess that our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Amen. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Amen. Let's sing a song of praise to our God. Let's sing together from Psalm 147, the verses 1 and 6. The Lord has given us his law in order to teach us how to live in a relationship together with him. Let's submit ourselves to the law of the Lord as we find it this morning in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother, as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long, and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Let's now sing together. We're going to sing from Psalm 25. The Lord teaches us how how to walk in his ways. And we also make a confession of our sins before Him. Let's use the words of this song to, to grow in our relationship with our Father. Psalm 25, the verses 4 and 5. Let's pray to God. Almighty God and Father in heaven, you're a God who instructs sinners in the way that they should go. You're a God who is good and upright. We thank you, Lord, that all your paths are love and mercy, that you show faithfulness to those who keep your covenant. You are a covenant God. You've entered into a covenant relationship with us where you've made promises to us. You promised to be faithful to us. And you've done that in the history of your dealings with your people. When we look at the the history of the Israelites, then we see the extent of your faithfulness towards them. There are many times where your people went astray, where they committed spiritual adultery. They rebelled against you and they served other gods. And time and again you called them back. You punished the people for their sin, but when they repented, you were willing to show them mercy and to take them back again. And in order to lead them to repentance, you sent your servants to call them, to look to you. Father, thank you for continuing with them. And thank you that we may know that you never change, but this covenant faithfulness of yours endures throughout the generations. Thank you that you've shown it most profoundly by sending your Son into this world to establish a new covenant with us, that through our Lord Jesus Christ, we may have an intimate relationship with you, that this covenant is not limited to the people of Israel, but that it extends to people from all nations and also to us here today. We thank you, Father, that you desire to have an intimate relationship with us. We are deeply grateful for this gift. We pray then, Lord, that we would have ears to hear what you say to us, Grant that we may take your word to heart, and that we may realize that these are words of life. Grant that we may hold on to your words, that we would care about them, that we would allow our lives to be guided by them, and that we may stand in awe of you for who you are and what you have done. Dear Father in heaven, we confess to you that many times we have not done this. we just sang together from Psalm 25, and with the words of these psalms, we confess that our sin and our shame is great. But we pray that you would forgive our evil doing. And that you would renew your love towards us. Your Father, we pray that you would do this for Jesus' sake. Please show us mercy and please draw us near to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So brothers and sisters, this morning I may preach God's word to you as we find that the first verses of Malachi 2, it's a message to the priests that they have failed in their task of bringing God's word to his people and respecting the Lord as they should. In connection with that, I thought it's appropriate to read the New Testament corollary of that. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, the Apostle Paul encourages Timothy to walk in faith before God, to uphold his word. So we're going to read together 1 Timothy 4, the verses 6 to 16. If you want to follow along, you can find that on page one thousand one hundred and seventy eight of your guest Bible. So we're going to read together, one Timothy four starting at verse 6. there God's word says, this is Paul speaking to the young minister Timothy, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, for to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders lay their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching persist in this for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers so far the reading of god's word let's now sing together of the the gift of the word and the blessing that comes through it psalm 19 verses 4 and 5 The text for the sermon this morning is taken from Malachi chapter 2. We're going to read together Malachi 2, the verses 1 through 9. You can find that on page 593 of your guest's Bible. So Malachi 2, the verses 1 through 9. Hear the word of God. And now, O priests, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I've already cursed them, because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your your offerings, and you shall be taken away with that. So shall you know that I have sent this command to you, that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And so I make you despised and abased before all the people, inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. Then after the proclamation of God's word, we're going to sing together from Psalm one nineteen, the verses thirty seven and thirty-eight. Dear brothers and sisters, congregation loved by the Lord Jesus Christ, the people in Malachi's time were not thriving they come out of exile, they come back into their homeland, they'd rebuilt the temple and they're, they're trying to put up their own houses, but on another level, things really weren't going well for them. Nothing seemed to be working. They were under foreign rule, they're in this place where they're struggling financially and no matter how hard they tried, they just couldn't seem to get ahead in life. And none of the promises that God had made to, I, to Isaiah, to Ezekiel, to the other prophets ever came to pass. Well, God sent Malachi to tell them what was wrong. In chapter 1, we heard that one of the key things that happened in those days is that they were apathetic towards God in their worship. They came to church, to the temple, they offered sacrifices. But It wasn't the first and the best. No, they culled their herds. They took the lame and the blind, and they offered those to the Lord. And their heart just wasn't in it. They didn't love the Lord. They didn't trust Him. They didn't seek Him, and they didn't serve Him. It was really quite atrocious. It was contrary to the law of God. There was zero respect. And so God said to them, He says, you know, He says, try to do that to your governor. Now show up at the governor's house with a lame animal, and give that to him as a gift. And as if that wasn't bad enough, there was even a more serious problem. The priests didn't fear God. They didn't bring God's word to his people. That's such a, a serious thing. If the leaders don't bring the word, then what hope is there for the people? If the leaders don't respect God, if they don't have awe for him in their hearts, then how are the people ever going to learn that? It's a real act of kindness that the Lord calls this out. He tells his people that I have a future with you. You are my people, and I am your God. And I established a covenant with Levi, and I intend for that to continue. And so you can't keep doing this, but you need to change. And the Lord, he intends the change, not just to affect the Levites, but the change to affect all his people. He wants to continue in this covenant relationship with all his people. Well, it's good words for us to hear, brothers and sisters. You also are the people of God, and the Lord wants a future with you. And so if you are sinning, then he calls you to repent. I bring God's word to you with this theme, the Lord calls his messenger to bring true instruction. We're going to see in the first place the calling of the priests, secondly the conduct of the priests, and finally the condemnation of the priests. But one of the ways that the Lord shows the priests in Malachi's time how serious things have gotten is by comparing them with Levi. God spells it out in the verses 5 to 7, the first thing that he says that stands out the about the ministry of Levi is that he was a man who brought God's word to his people. True instruction was found on his lips. Nothing false was found on his lips. So here's a man who spoke the truth. He was willing to say whatever God said and to faithfully bring the message to his people. And at the end of the day, it's important for us to understand it's not about the person. It's not because Levi was such a great guy that things went good in Israel during his time. But what was important is that Levi was faithful in bringing God's word to the people. One of the core tasks of the priest is to teach the people the will of God. Sometimes we think about the role of the priest, and usually we associate that with the temple. Priests were involved in the temple service, they had to take the sacrifices and minister before the Lord and bring them before God. But the second role of the priest is that the priest was also to teach the people the will of God. That's what it says here in Malachi 2 verse 7, for the lips of a priest should guard knowledge and people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is a messenger of the Lord of hosts. And that goes back to the very beginning, Leviticus 10, verse 11, God instructed the priests, you must teach the Israelites all the decrees of the Lord that the Lord has given them through Moses. And then it's actually really interesting, if you read through the history of the scriptures, that you see what happens when the priests are faithful. We have a few times where there was this revival, this renewal in Israel. You read about it in the days of Jehoshaphat, It's in 2 Chronicles 17. He had great riches and honor. The fear of the Lord fell on all the nations around them so that no one attacked Jehoshaphat and Israel, and he grew steadily greater and greater. It was a time of great wealth and prosperity and power in Israel. What was going on behind that? Well, in between there... We're told that during this time, the priests taught in Judah, having the book of the law of the Lord with them. They went about throughout all the cities of Judah, and they taught the people. These priests were faithful in their task. They taught all the Israelites who God is and what God expects. And there was profound blessing that came over the nation when they did that. Well, you're familiar, brothers and sisters. The same thing happened in the days of Hezekiah, 2 Chronicles 30. 30. But the same thing happened in the days of Josiah, 2 Chronicles 34. There was a resurgence of the word of God. The priests faithfully brought the word. And as a result, the nation flourished and God gave his blessing upon the people. Well, that's the power of the word. When the word of God goes out, then you know the Lord. Then you stand in awe of him. Then you respect him. Then you realize your sins and you repent of them. That you're filled with joy when you understand God's grace to you. And you start to live this new life. Well, that was Levi's legacy. He's a man who honored the Lord. And true instruction was found on his lips. And that's not all. The other thing that stands out about Levi is that he lived a holy life before God. It's quite striking what, what it says here of him. It says in verse 5 that he feared God. He stood in awe of God. He had this huge reverence for God. And you know, that's something that, that always accompanies the life of someone who brings the word when the word is to be effective. If you wish to bring the word of God to others, and if you wish that word to, to come across, then the word needs to be confirmed by a godly life. Well, verse 6 of Levi, it says, He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity. You may remember the, the initial reason why Levi was chosen to be the priest before God. Right at the very beginning, Exodus 32, God meets with his people at Mount Sinai. He comes down on top of the mountain. There's this profound event where the people see and they stand in awe of God. And then Moses goes up the mountain, and he's gone up the mountain for a long time. The next thing the people do is they turn right around, and they build this golden calf. And they start bowing down to it. These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. The Lord is very angry. And then Moses calls. He says, who is on God's side? And who responded? It was the Levites. And then Moses gave them this incredible task, get your swords, go through the camp, kill your brother, your companion, and your neighbor. And that's what Levi did. All these descendants of Levi, they got their swords, went to their tents, got their swords, and literally they started killing their brothers, their friends, their neighbors, their companions. 3,000 people that they killed because of their zeal for the Lord. Well, here you have people who have great respect for the Lord. Can you imagine doing that? Can you imagine killing a bunch of people in the church? That's impossible. How could you do something like that? Well, the only way it's possible is if your respect for God is far greater that you respect for the people around you. And that was the core of what stood in the ministry of Levi and his descendants. These people respected God. They had utmost respect for the Lord. And so when the Lord told them to do this, then they went and did it. Well, it's not often that the Lord calls us to do something so radical, brothers and sisters. But he does often call us to do Similar things. He challenges us. Does your respect for me have more value than your respect for the people around you? Are you willing to challenge your child when they disobey me, even if it damages the relationship? Are you willing to call out your friends? They're going to go out for an evening and they're going to do something that's really not good and you all know it beforehand. Are you going to call them out? And are you going to tell them, we're not doing this. This is sinful before God, this is the wrong thing, and we're not going to have any part of this. Well, Levi loved God. He revered him. He made the hard call. and The result is that the Lord had a covenant of life and of peace with him. He gave Levi this rich, full life. He gave him the peace of God where God was at peace with him, and he was at peace with the people around him. Well, the priests in Malachi's time, they didn't love God like that. They didn't respect him like that. God says in verse 8 and 9, But you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And so I make you despised and abased before all the people, inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. You priests, you show partiality in your instruction. You care about what people think far more than what you care about what I think. And so you allow there to be oppression and injustice. You allow the rich and the powerful to get away with what they want to get away with. And you don't stand up to them and call them out for it. In the end, God says, you've turned from the way. And the result is that many people stumble because of your instruction. What a damning indictment, brothers and sisters. God's saying here that if you're a messenger of the Lord, you have a huge responsibility. James 3, not many of you should become teacher, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Brother Dathan, you're a preacher of the gospel. And the Lord says to you that you're being called by God to bring true instruction to his people. Brother Elders, you have a serious responsibility to have oversight of the people of God. The Lord holds, holds you to account to teach his people his ways, to stand in awe of him and to hold them to that. God expects you to live in such a way that he's huge in your thinking, and that you care about him so much that you're willing to call out the sin among his people. You know, brothers and sisters, it's not just the elders, or the minister, or even the deacons for that matter. It's all of us. Lord, say seven question answer twenty one why are you call the christian sorry question answer thirty two why are you call the christian because i 'm a member of Christ by faith and thus share in his anointing, so that I may be a prophet, priest, and king you 're a prophet you 're a priest you 're a king one Peter two verse nine you 're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You all have responsibility to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know, it's really striking when we reflect on the qualifications for an office bearer in Christ Church. Who's suitable for office? Well, there's two things that stand out. It's doctrine and life. If you read through one Timothy and through Two Timothy, then the Apostle Paul he he clearly makes this point over and over and over again to this young minister. In the first place, he teaches him to watch his doctrine. One Timothy one verse three. You need to watch your doctrine. Don't get caught up in silly and irreverent myths. He says, watch your doctrine closely, and that's a theme he keeps coming back to throughout 1, Peter, 1 Timothy, and, and again in chapter in the second letter, he gets back to it over and over again. It's also in our reading, 1 Timothy 4 verse 7, have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths, rather train yourself for godliness. It's really quite striking here, the, the word for godly, sometimes we think godly equals holy, or godly equals purity. that's not really the core nuance of the word. It does mean those things. The core nuance to be godly means you think great thoughts of God. If you're godly, then God is really big in your thinking. Then you're confronted with a situation. Your first thought is, what would God say? What does God think? What does God want in this situation? That's what Paul says to Timothy? Train yourself to be godly. You have to train yourself that who I am and what I think is the biggest thing in your thinking. And he contrasts that, he says, whatever you do, he says, don't get caught up in all these dumb conversations, about these irrelevant things. Stand in awe of me, and revere me, and teach the people about who I am, about what I expect. Verses 10 and 11, command and teach the people to set their hope on God, who is the Savior of all people. Or verse 13, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. He say, don't get sidetracked by all these dumb conversations. But bring the word, faithfully bring the word, so that the people may also stand in awe of who the Lord is and what the Lord does. And then it's also really striking when you read through the rest of the letter of Timothy. And the other thing that Paul really emphasizes for Timothy is that his doctrine needs to be matched by his godly life. He talks about the qualifications for an office bearer. And it's all about a godly character. An elder must be above reproach, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, and not a lover of money. And so if you wish to be a leader in Christ's church, and God's saying, it's all about your character. It's not just about bringing my words to my people, but it's also that you are who I am. You model my character to my people. It's when your words complement your lifestyle, when your, your lifestyle complements your words, that the word has power. And so there's a foundational calling. But among the leadership by implication that among all of us that our lives match the calling of the gospel this is something that Paul gets back to with Timothy 1 Timothy 4 verse 12 let no one despise you for your youth but set the believers an example in speech in conduct in love in faith in purity or a little later, verse 15, 16, practice these things, devote yourself to them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and the teaching, and persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. He's saying, you need to be diligent in pursuing your relationship with me. You need to stand in awe with me, of me. And he's saying, you can't you can't slack off. You can't think to yourself, you know, I've been a Christian for 20 years or 30 years or 60 years. And so now I got this and I can just kind of take it easy and I can coast. Now God says you need to persist in this. You need to pursue this. You need to make it your life goal to continue to know the Lord, to be conformed to His character and to faithfully bring His word. So has been one of the The prayers for myself, brothers and sisters, as a minister of the gospel, one of the most foundational things over the years that I've prayed to God is that I may be faithful to his word. It's really a challenge. There's a lot of people out there who have a lot of different ideas. Lots of different churches. And then, once you get into commentaries, there's a lot of people who have a lot of weird ideas about what the Bible says. Well, how do you remain faithful in the middle of that? How do you make sure that you don't get lost in a wrong place? The most important thing is to pray, to ask God for His help, and then to read the Word, to read it regularly, to read it broadly, to study certain parts in depth, to memorize certain parts to really take it to heart and, and to live it out. You know, the confessions are really useful in this regard. Confessions are really they're an accurate summary of the teachings of the scriptures. And then it's especially helpful if you understand the controversies that stood behind the confessions. It's when you you understand the history, what led up to these confessions that you can see why the forefathers said things the way that they did. You can understand a little better Why they summarize the truth of scriptures in the ways that they have. But you know, having said that, the confession isn't the be-all and end-all. That's not not the way that necessarily a person is going to stay close to the Lord. The most important thing is that this is a spiritual thing. It is only the Spirit of God who is able to hold on to you so that you stay faithful to the scriptures and that you endure to the end. And the good news is that if you ask God, then he will give you his spirit. When our Lord Jesus Christ came into this world, then he respected God. He revered him, and he upheld the word. He was impartial in his perspectives. He faithfully brought the word to the people, no matter what the circumstance. When you read the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, the two things that stand out are his profound reverence for his Father and his faithfulness to his word. It's in Luke 4. Right at the very beginning of his ministry, he's he's giving his first sermon. And his first sermon, he tells the people, he says, and by the way, he says, the day's going to come where you're going to hate me and reject me and rebel against me. Well, that day was that day. They got really mad at him, and they wanted to take him to the cliff and throw him off the edge of the cliff and to be done with him. And so from the very first sermon that Christ preached, he faced opposition from people against him. But that didn't mean that he he backed off. It didn't mean that he wouldn't bring the message. Throughout the whole course of his ministry, he challenged the scribes and the Pharisees on the view of the Sabbath. He called out their hypocrisy. He called out their greed. He exposed their self-interest. He refused to get caught up in all the, the controversies that they always argued about. And he talked about the core things, about justice and mercy and faithfulness. The scripture says that the people were amazed at him because he he taught with authority and not as the scribes or the teachers of the law. And in the end, even said of him, his opponents, they made the comment that he, he always judged with impartiality. He wasn't swayed by the opinions of men. And that matched his godly life in everything that Christ did He always did what was pleasing to his father. Well, that's our only hope, brothers and sisters. If you want to be faithful to the end, then you need the spirit of Jesus to live in you. Christ has to take up residence in your heart through his spirit. And Christ will hold on to you. He will keep you close to God. He will reveal God to you. That's the promise of 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. They have to understand that this is not just a doctrine thing. It's not just about nailing down the teaching and everything's going to be okay. It's also just as much about our life as it is about the doctrine. Why do most people wander away from the Lord and from his word? Most people wander away because they want something that God has forbidden. They reject God's good instruction in their life. They have sinful desires, and they want to fulfill those sinful desires. In the end, their sin makes them cold and indifferent to God. In the end, they abandon the scriptures, and they go their own way. It's really striking how often the Lord connects having right teaching to having a right lifestyle. Paul's encouragement to Timothy, the last words of our reading, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Well, the priests in Malachi's time, they didn't do it. And it ended very badly for them. In verse nine, God says, since you have corrupted the covenant with Levi, And turned aside from the way, so I will make you despised and abased before all the people. You're going to be rejected, despised and abased. If you want a a modern day image, think of a minister who's had a secret life of going to prostitutes and committing adultery. And one day that comes out into the open. Well, he's not only suspended and deposed from office. People despise him. They abase him. They look down on him. The man who is supposed to have integrity has lived such a terrible lifestyle. Well, that's about to happen to these priests. And that's not all. In verse 1, Malachi says, And now, O priests, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart... To give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them, because you do not lay it to heart. I will curse you. Think of the curses, Deuteronomy 28. Famine and warfare. Your children being taken away from you. Disease and death and terror. You have irrational fears. On top of that, the Lord says in verse 2 here, he says, I'm going to curse your blessings. Now, many times we receive things as great blessings from the Lord. We receive children and a family. We receive wealth and prosperity. And oftentimes we experience those as blessings. But if the Lord curses your blessings, then it leads to a unique kind of suffering. If your children reject God... And if they rebel against you, there's a real pain that you bear in your heart. If your family hates you and they go against you, then that's, that's a profound suffering that you endure. If you have all this wealth and prosperity, but if your money makes you into a really shallow person, or if your money makes you into someone really anxious because you're afraid you're going to lose it, or someone who's really selfish because you're always trying to get more of it, And in the end, your blessings are not a blessing. Then they're a curse. And then you suffer immensely. It's when those nearest and dearest to us, when they cause suffering in our life, then there is a unique pain that we experience through that. Well, that's about to happen to these priests because they didn't take it to heart to honor God's name. That leads to the final curse of verse 3. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with that. I will rebuke your offspring. Does that mean that the, the descendants of the Levites would lose their place before God? It's very likely what will happen. On top of that, the Lord says he would spread dung on on their faces, the dung of their offerings. The word here is for the awful that you get when you butcher an animal. They would go to the priest, and all day long the priests were butchering these animals. They killed the animal, they drained the blood, they skinned it, and then they cut out the guts. And if you butchered an animal, you know that it's pretty gross. Well, now God's saying... He's saying, I'm going to take that offal, I'm going to take the guts, and I'm going to smear it over your faces. It's going to be disgusting. And that's your position. People are going to look at you with horror. And then what you do with the offal is you take it outside the camp and you burn it. And the Lord says, you're going to be taken out with it. First I smear your faces with the dung, and then you get taken outside the camp with the dung. There's this profound curse that comes on these Levites because they're not willing to honor God and they're not willing to uphold His word. Well, where does it leave you, brother elders, brothers and sisters? Do you always treat God with utmost respect? Do you do what He says? No secret sins? No minimizing your sin? No justifying your sin? No allowing sin to continue to fester in your life? Are you above reproach? Are you self-controlled? Are you not quarrelsome and not a lover of money? Does your reverence for God overpower your fear of man? Do you have such awe for God that you're willing to stand up against people? When they sin, that you call it out for what it is. You also do that as Timothy, Paul teaches Timothy with the spirit of gentleness so that you really help to restore people. Do you correctly handle the word of truth? Are you so grounded in the scriptures that you don't get carried away with wrong ideas? And not just ideas about justification or sovereignty, but also ideas about gender identity. And how to handle debts and finances. Ideas about homosexuality. And about divorce. And about love of self. Are you able to rightly apply God's word to your heart? And to the hearts and lives of the people around you? Well, if I look back on my life, brothers and sisters, then I've often failed. Sin has been pretty powerful force in my life at times, and at times it still is. At times, I've had more regard for people than for the Lord. Don't want to offend people. careful in what you say. And so I haven't said the things that I always had to say, and I didn't say it in the way that I ought to have said it. At times, I look back and I see I haven't held on to the word of God Rightly. I haven't always preached as I should. Sometimes I haven't spent enough time in the text to understand what God's really saying. Sometimes I've been too theoretical, not really applied the scriptures to the hearts and lives of the people. Sometimes I've missed a lot of nuance to really help people to understand who God is and what God really wants to them in their, in their situations. Well, Maybe you're in a similar place. And then God says two things. First, comes as a warning. He says, If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, then I will curse you. If you don't change, you carry on. And God says, I will curse you. That will happen. I will curse your blessings, and you will suffer. But you can avoid it if you repent. If you don't carry on as you were, but if you're different in the future. And then it's also a comfort. The second thing the Lord says here in our text is he wants to comfort you. It's really striking to see the final curse of verse 3. You will be taken away with the awful of your offerings and you will be thrown outside the city. Well, does that sound familiar? In Hebrews 13, we are told that when the Lord Jesus came, then he was taken outside the city. He was, he was despised by people. He was abased. And he was crucified outside the city. And Hebrews said, just like the sacrifice is taken outside the city, and is referring to the awful of the sacrifice the part that's burned, so also our Lord Jesus was taken outside the city and he bore the curse of God that God's people deserve. And so what God's saying is he's saying if you come to me, if you humble yourself, if you repent of your sin, he's saying I'll bear your curse and I'll forgive your sins and I'll help you. I'll live in your heart with my Holy Spirit. I'll change you so that you revere me, that you stand in awe of my name, that you love me, that you honor me. And I'll change you so that you know me, that my word has a place within you, that you understand what I say, and that you're able to apply that to your own heart, and you're able to communicate that to the people around you. Let's humbly confess our sins to the Lord, brothers and sisters. Let's be honest. and Let's flee from our sin. Let's seek his face. And as we do so, we can rest assured in the grace of his forgiveness. He calls us to watch our life and doctrine closely. He says, practice these things that everyone can see your progress in the faith. Well, may God give a rich measure of his spirit. And may we indeed progress in our faith. Amen. Let's sing together, we're gonna to sing of the blessing that God gives through his word, Psalm so one nineteen, the verses thirty seven and thirty eight. Let's now pray to God. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we thank and praise you, Lord, that you're a God who has given your word to your people. Thank you that you raise up office bearers, priests in the Old Testament and prophets, and they had the task to to teach your people your will, to instruct them in the law, so that people might walk in your ways, that they may receive your blessing. Lord, today you've raised up ministers and elders and deacons and it is our task to also teach your people your ways, to instruct them in your truth, to help them to have a relationship with you. We pray, Father, that you would help us in this task. The greatest thing we pray for, for every one of us, also as as Christians, as those who share in the calling of Christ, we pray, Father, that you would give us great reverence for your name. Help us to stand in awe of you. Grant that you may be big in our thinking, that in every situation that we face, that our first thought is what would you think and what would you want and how do you want us to live and how do you want us to respond to this situation. Father, we pray that to this end that your word would have a central place in our lives. It's through your word that you teach us what you think and what you want. And so we pray that you would help us to to read your word and to do it in a devotional way, that when we read your word, that we seek to, to meditate upon it and to think of, of who you are and what you've done for your people and how you wish to respond to that. Dear Father in heaven, we, we pray that as we take your word to heart, that we may be blessed by you. We also pray for a blessing over the, the preachers of the gospel. Grant that, that Brother Plater grant myself can faithfully bring your word here in Southern River. Grant, Lord, that we're able to be true to your word, that we understand the truth of who you are, and that we seek to help your people to know you and to love you and to walk with you. Be with all the ministers of the gospel, Father. Please help us all that we would have great respect for your name and that we correctly handle the word of truth. Father, we pray for the office bearers that they also revere your name that they know how to handle your word, to help your people to walk by faith. Give them wisdom to listen to your people, to understand the true situation of their lives. And then give them wisdom to also respond with your word, to find the right word, to encourage, to admonish, to to love your people at the right time in the right way. Father, thank you that you don't leave us on our own in these things, but that you promise to give us your Holy Spirit. We pray that by your Spirit, that you would lead us in the truth, that you help us to maintain that truth. We pray that through the spirit of our Lord Jesus, that we may stand in awe of you, and that we revere you as we ought. Father, we thank you for the ways in which you've already done this. We thank you for the ways in which we as a congregation can be a congregation that knows you and loves you. Help us to have a wholesome relationship with you, Father. Help us to grow in that. Please grant that we may be set free from all worldliness, and that we may indeed follow the, the truth of your word. Thank you for the blessing you give in our families. Thank you for many faithful fathers and mothers who trade their children to know and love you. It often happens that the parents are faithful in, in telling Bible stories to their children, in memorizing the, the Psalms of the scriptures with their children, in reading your word together, in talking about the truth of the Bible in all sorts of different circumstances of life. Help us to do this faithfully and diligently more and more. We also pray, Lord, that you be with the next generation. We ask that as our children grow up, that you would put a hedge around them and protect them. Help them to be deeply grounded in your word and help them to understand the truth of the scriptures. We live in a society where our society is devoted to the love of self. We put ourselves in the center of our life, what we want, what we think, and we guide our actions often according to what we feel. Well, Lord, we pray that you would protect our children from these things. We ask that they may put you in the center of life, that their feelings are not, their emotions are not the, the guide for truth and the guide for what they will do, but rather help them to honor you and to respect you and to put you in the center. Help them in their entertainment choices, Lord, that they not offend you by the way they choose to be entertained. Help them in their conversations, that they, that they say things, that are honoring to you. Help them in their relationships with their brothers and sisters, with their classmates, with their teachers, with their friends, that they're able to have beautiful relationships where they, where they honor you and honor the people around them, where they live by the fruit of the Spirit in their dealings with others. Lord, we pray that you would fill all of us with your Spirit and that the Spirit may, may mature within us so that we produce much fruit throughout our lives. Thank you, Lord, for the admonition this morning. Thank you for helping us and teaching us what it's supposed to look like. And thank you for the promise of your spirit by which you you correct us and you lead us in ways of truth. Please continue this good work and please bring us through to the end. Dear Father in heaven, we also wish to thank you for the blessings that you've given to our congregation this past week. We're so grateful that this past Friday that Colbus and Brittany Diacher could be married. I want to pray for them, Lord, that you would please bless them in their marriage. Grant that they may have much joy together as husband and wife. Please help Colbus, that he can be a good leader in his family. And help Brittany, that she's able to accept that leadership. And grant that that they can encourage one another and build each other up. And if it's your will, Lord, we pray that you also grant them children. That they can receive children from you and, and help their children to revere you. Father, we also pray that you would accept our thanks for the blessing given to our brother Trent Courthouse so thankful for him, Lord, that that he could have this operation this past week on his heart, that the doctors could do this work, and that it could go very well. Thank you for the good recovery that our brother receives, and we pray that that may yet continue. We ask, Lord, that you would give our brother the peace of Christ, and that you also use this to draw him close to you and to to confirm your covenant to him, to show you how much you love him, and to, to keep him in close fellowship together with you. Father, we also pray that you would please accept our thanks for the, for the way that you continue to sustain the others in our church who've had operations. We think of our brother Jack Vendongan we think of Wayne Visser, we think of brother Hilko Seegers, and also brother John Jensen. Please continue to be near to these brothers. There's many others, Lord, who, who have significant health concerns. We, we pray that you would surround them with your help and care, and that you look after them and provide for them. We ask, Lord, that you also take care of those who are grieving the loss of loved ones, We pray, Lord, that you surround your people with your care. Help us in the time of grief. Be near to us with your spirit and comfort us. And also give us a vision for the future that we may remember the promises of the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Help us to lean forward towards that future, Lord, and please comfort us that the day is coming when we're set free from sin and all its effects. Father, we thank you for for the opportunity that we have to be together here as your church. Thank you for the peace and freedom that we get to enjoy as your people. I wanna pray, Lord, that that may continue. I also think especially in the education of our children, our government to this stage, both here in the state and also also with our our federal government, the reviewing legislation regarding our ability to, to operate our schools as we have done so. Up to this point, we have exemptions so that we're allowed to be able to select who comes into our school, what children come in, and also what teachers teach. And we're able to maintain the teachings of your word in doing so. And Father, these things are being challenged. And so we want to bring this matter before your throne of grace. And we wish to ask you, Lord, that you would protect our ability to educate our children to know and to love you. Please, let us be faithful to you, Lord. We're so thankful for this opportunity today. In peace and freedom, we can do this. And we pray that for Jesus' sake that this may continue in the future, and that together we can indeed train the next generation to know and love you and to walk in your ways. Dear Father in heaven, we want to ask you to also accept our thank offerings. We're going to have a collection now for the work in p g Pray that you be with our missionaries, Lord, that you surround them with your care, that you keep them safe. We also pray that you bless their work, that they're able to bring the hope of the gospel. Grant also the, the indigenous ministers there a rich measure of your grace grant that we all may be faithful to your word and that we may revere your name and that in this way that many people in PNG g as well can turn to you and receive your grace. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So brothers and sisters, you have the opportunity to give your thank offerings to God. The collection is indeed for the mission work in PNG. and and after the collection, we're going to sing together from hymn 79, verses 1, 2, and 5. Receive the blessing of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.